Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard the conquering heroes is episode 63 of eric roberts is the fucking man the world's most celebrated eric roberts related podcast i'm doug tilly and joining me as usual is the beast from the east liam o'donnell how are things liam well you know doug we had a pretty eventful beginning of the month and i wish that i could say that the rest of the month has lived up to that high but i you know i feel like uh i'm not sure what else in my life is going to live up to that to that high level how, how are things for you up in canada well it's sort of i'm having i'm going through a bit of a postpartum depression equivalent i would say and uh, i'm sure people who actually have gone through that are very angry at me right now but what <laughs> i mean is that we did have a big you know a significant moment in our lives i would say at the beginning of this month and i've tried to keep that train a rolling uh, you know, through some of the media aspects and posting pictures and telling stories. And, like, there's been some media around it, some new- news stories and things like that. And as that was going, it was all very, very exciting. And now it's sort of tailed off. And what are we left with, Liam? Well, apparently we're left with an episode where we chat about it uh, because we like to relive the past. Now, this is a very self-serving uh, off-model episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man uh, because we're going to talk – for uh, for the majority of this episode about the experience of meeting, uh, dining, and speaking with Eric Roberts. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if people are used to us being this self-reflective. We tend mm-hmm. to – first of all, you don't share anything on the show if you can help it. And uh, I <laughs> share things only in brief snippets before you tell me to shut the fuck up. So uh-huh. – uh, I, I this will probably be the most self-revelatory the show has ever been. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think that's fair. And I also think it's kind of important. It might not be the most entertaining episode to listen to, but it's also I think it's important for us to have a record of some of the elements that happened around that interview. And I think that there is some interest level in regards to it, because frankly, you know, I think people have, it's come across at this point that it was a very unique thing for Liam and, and myself. But there was so much leading up to it, including Liam and I meeting for the first time, us living together for a, a 48 hour period or, or not quite. Uh, and, and, you know, all the kind of hurdles and and uh, uh and all the all the all the shit that was surrounding that at the time and it was such a whirlwind uh particularly i'm not gonna say particularly for me but since i was kind of like lots of lots of travel get there do the thing and then come right back again that it's only now that i can sort of take a pause and really think of how kind of whacked out and 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 crazy it was yeah i think that in a good way, it was kind of an overwhelming sort of like show up, do the thing, which I think was helpful, especially in your case. I actually, as exhausting as it probably was, it was kind of helpful that you were put under those conditions oh, absolutely. as opposed to having days and days. Like, like imagine if you had shown up in Chicago early and just mm-hmm. sat around in an Airbnb for three days before you got to talk to Eric Roberts. Like, I just think you would have been a ball of nerves and it would not have gone well. 
Liam can say that quite accurately at this point because he saw how I was on that Sunday morning before we met Eric Roberts, and I was absolutely a bundle of nerves is a nice way of saying it. I was losing my mind. I was so filled with anxiety. And also, I felt like we were totally unprepared with questions. But because of Liam's support and because of my wife's support, uh, we were able to get through it because they kept saying everything's going to be fine. And guess what, Liam? It was fine. It was actually a little bit better than fine. Yeah, I mean, there were some uh, things that were hard, which we can talk about, but I think it ended up really great. Before we get into the details of our Chicago excursion, even though it's just Liam and myself, we had to break down all the latest Eric Roberts news on the Roberts Report. It's the Roberts Report for episode number 63 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And as per usual, we start with a deep dive on the man himself's Twitter feed. You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter at Eric Roberts, all one word. Now, Liam, before we get into that, uh, during our interview with Eric Roberts, he uh, he seemed to suggest that at least some of his tweets are not tweeted out by himself. A scandalous remark, I thought. Well, I mean, it, it was certainly upsetting for some of what we've been doing, which is trying to get a read on the man from his Twitter. And apparently that was a waste of time. And, yeah, and I would say even that this segment of the Roberts Report, which we have done every single episode, could now be considered a complete waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> That's possible. I mean, on the other hand, we're getting a view, at least at certain times, into Eliza, which is also interesting. It, it was somewhat contradictory what he was saying, uh, because we did ask him about a, uh, a tweet um, – uh, oh, about the, the Jimmy Kimmel segment where parents uh, tell their children that they've eaten all their Halloween candy. And he said that basically Eliza made him tweet that out, meaning that he did have direct access. But then maybe some of the airline tweets that we see on a semi-regular basis, maybe they don't come from the man himself. We're just going to have to guess. We're going to have to – I mean I'm very careful anyway. I mean I, I go through his feed and I'm very careful which ones I pick out. So I'll just have to be all the more careful to make sure that we're getting some insight into the man himself. I feel like he's actually deepened our project in that now we can guess as as a new thing, like, is this Eliza or not? That's right. And, you know, our next uh, our next big attempt uh, on this podcast, Eric Roberts of the Fucking Man, is that we're going to have to have Eliza on it, I think, don't you think? I think eventually. I don't know if we oh, have... Oh, am I keeping you up, Liam? Is Sorry. that a problem here? Sorry. I have diabetes. Sometimes my sugar's <laughs> off. Um, and a young child. Yeah, that's true. Um, no, I mean, I think I don't want to. Sh- this is a completely inappropriate metaphor. Never, I I don't I want to. It. I don't want to uh, reach a certain point too quickly. Oh right. Oh, I don't mean we're going to have her on the next episode. <laughs> no, but I mean we can space it out since we've been committed to keep going with this insane project. We might as well like have her on like next year or something. You know what yeah. I mean? Like Liam, he's got a lot of family members. <laughs> <laughs> No problem. I'm sure his extended family, one after the other, just one per year is how we're going to spread it out. Eliza next year, Emma, of course, the year after that, Julia the year after that, and then, you know, the rest. <laughs> well, you got you to remember, too, though, he also made it really clear that, uh, for the most part, Eliza can't watch his movies. So yes. I don't know how helpful it would be to do an episode with her unless we picked projects that she, like, highlighted for us or one she was willing to talk about. Eric Roberts, Liam, is currently in Barbados. Cool. 
Yeah, he's been tweeting recently, uh, actually a number of photos of him and Eliza uh, enjoying a, I suppose, vacation, possibly filming in the Barbados re- region. He seems to be having a very nice, relaxing time, and good on him. He's been working hard recently. Uh, we did learn, of course, that there's going to be any number of Stock by My Doctor sequels. This is going to be a series that will be continuing pretty much for the foreseeable future. Uh, which we are not complaining about in any way, shape, or form. Just a few hours ago of the time of this recording, he tweeted, Il Forno Barbados... Best pizza crust and sweet people. So if you're in Barbados, I suggest going to Il Forno for pizza. (sighs) He also tweeted on November 21st, Well, at Mom Eliza Roberts and I have seen heaven at Cliff Barbados. So he's enjoying his time in Barbados, I would say, Liam. I I thought I was hoping Cliff Barbados was a person. It probably could be. I probably should have clicked on it in retrospect. Yeah, that's fair. They, they just met a guy named Cliff in Barbados, and it's like, yeah, now we've seen heaven. Liam, back on November 5th, this is a while back, mm-hmm. Eric Roberts tweeted out, Love these guys at ERITFM. They know way more about me and mine than I do! Exclamation point. How did you feel when you read that, Liam? <laughs> um... I wonder you know, who... you know what was in my mind? <laughs> the fact that he doesn't post his own tweets. <laughs> ah. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'm so glad Eliza hyped us up like that. No, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, he, You know, it's weird now that he knows us and he knows we exist. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he probably actually – I mean, he says he never does it. But, I, you know, he at least told someone to to tweet this, which I yeah. appreciate. And, yeah. uh, and it it's kind of surreal. I mean, we're going to get into this, but – Everything post doing this is surreal that it's yeah. like we went from this weird like relationship like the show is dedicated to him, but we're not in a relationship with him other than the fact that we talk <laughs> about his movies. And now like we know him and he has talked about us publicly. It's strange. It's a little it's just a little bit strange uh, to see that. Um, I think it's going to be weird of, the next course, time we're, we're, we're very critical about some of his work. I mean, I wonder if we're going to feel more hesitant. I mean, look, we're not going to pretend we are best friends with Eric Roberts or we're that we're even that friendly with him. There is a, uh, a distance that comes from uh, the level of celebrity that he has and has had where you don't really get a sense of the real person except in very rare Moments. I mean, he was on at the time. You know what I'm saying. He was he was in Eric Roberts mode in a lot of the time that we saw him. But we're certainly a lot closer to him as the man now than we were previously. Well, and I think that that's the thing. Like, you don't. Um, I there are lots of people who I know who I have a certain respect for. That's different now that I know them. Sure. And, and that doesn't make them my friend. But the relationship is different. So I think he fits into that category, even if for him, he meets people all the time. I mean, I meet people all the time too, but not all of them are Eric fucking Roberts. You know what yes. I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> but on the other hand, you know, when you said that, like, well, is it going to be harder for us to be critical now? And then I just thought like, I don't know. I'm pretty critical of people I like anyway. So sure. I don't really have, a, I, I don't think it'll be a problem. I mean, I, I guess it could be in the sense of like, um, uh, no, I I guess what I guess the thing is is that we should always be a certain amount of generous to him anyway whether we had met him or not simply because of the actual feed it is that he's doing all this work and sure. is still so down to earth. Like that should always be in the back of our minds even when a particular film is difficult to watch. But I'm still not going to pretend I like something I don't like. Absolutely. I am, 
I am just emotionally incapable of doing that. Mm. I've never been able to do it. And I guess I'm used to it a little bit from just being in music. Inevitably, a friend has a band and I'm just not going to like that band. And, I, and I'm not going to be mean to him. I'm not going to make fun of that, that him or her. But I'm not going to say, oh, your band is so great when I don't think they're great. It's just not going to. I think we should clarify something right up front, even though we're in the midst of the Roberts report, which is that we had a good experience with Eric Roberts, like like a, an overwhelmingly positive experience, I would say. However, he's he's a bit of a, a strange guy in some ways because he does not live a life like Liam and I live. Uh, and being with him is is a singularly unique experience, which we'll get into in the next segment. But we, I thought overwhelmingly it was a positive experience. And one of the things that Scott Weinberg, the critic, at, the day after um, we recorded, I was talking to him. And he was like, you know, he was basically saying, you know, this could have gone really wrong, right? It could have gone really badly because what if he didn't want to play along? What if he wasn't gregarious or interesting? What if he didn't want to tell stories? This could have blown up in our face in ways that I really wasn't considering <laughs> before we actually went down to do it. I think that was my only anxiety. Like, I think when we were thinking about going in, you were feeling some anxiety and I was feeling some anxiety, <laughs> but I feel like a lot of your anxiety was around our performance. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, as someone who does have a certain amount of anxiety in life, I worry a lot about my future, about my employability, about whether I have any discernible skills for which I can be paid mm-hmm. for whatever reason, the part that it was our part of talking to Eric Roberts I literally had no anxiety over. I would have not prepared almost anything other than just a general like, okay, here's some of the movies I kind of want to talk about and have it on a list. And that's about it. And I I would not have done – I mean you you did some serious thought about the kinds of questions you wanted to ask, about the things you wanted to hit. And I wouldn't have done that. And I don't know that that's because – that would have been the right thing to do. I might have in the moment been like, fuck, I should have thought about this a little bit more. Right, but it's right. just but it's just like who I am as a person that in the moment performance is actually where I feel more comfortable. But the thing that was giving me all kinds of anxiety was like the sense we had of Eric Roberts before we met him was that he was probably pretty cool. Right. But I don't think we're showing any disrespect to him to say he could have not been. I mean, I think we're just being realistic when we sure, say absolutely. he could have been a giant dinghole. Like he could have been the worst and there was nothing we could do about that. We couldn't uninvite him or change the subject of the podcast. Like we just had to deal with whatever he brought. So it, the it, fact it, it, that's not a jerky, like he, he didn't even need to be as extreme as you, you just said either. I mean, he could have just been quiet and, you know, just unwilling to share much about his career. Sure, sure, that's true too. But, but, but I think I guess I was using the most extreme example to say, sure. to sort of say, like, uh, in some ways, we could have only hoped for him being pleasant, and right. the fact that he was actually extremely generous. I mean, we're going to get into this more, but I just think it's worth saying that it was a positive experience. It, it was an overwhelmingly a positive experience, and we'll get into more of the details of that in the next segment. Um, but certainly going in, there was that anxiety on my end of like, yo, what if he's just like not into it at that moment or he needs something that we can't give him or whatever? I kind of took for granted that he was going to be fairly open with us and and, and interesting. Uh, and it's strange because I really had no reason to have that faith outside of the fact that we've done all of these episodes of the show and have sort of a, a general sense of what the man is like. I think a lot of my anxiety came from the fact uh, and this is something we haven't really acknowledged in any specific way. Look, 
it's not like we had a thousand people there witnessing this podcast recording, right? We had a, a very decent number, a very respectable number of people, but a good percentage of those people are people that both you and I have previous relationships with in some way. You know, usually through social media. Some, of, A lot of them probably you've met before, Liam. Most I haven't. And I was really afraid that I was going to embarrass myself in front of these people that I've you know, I've always wanted to meet or that I have some previous relationship with and basically to show in front of them that I was some sort of fraud with no capability to do this. That's interesting that you think of it that way. I was thinking uh, that I didn't know that many people there. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Like 100%. I I went in feeling like, okay, I've met Doug. I mean, literally, (laughs) Again, we should probably finish up the Roberts report before we get too deep into this. But, <laughs> yeah, but let's be true. but let's be clear. We, I didn't fucking know you. Mm-hmm. I know Josh Goldblum who runs the fest. So yes, he's a very good friend of mine, but also he just spent the resources to get this to happen. So I'm also feeling pressure that he's there. Sure. I know Scott Weinberg. That that is the list of people I know at the thing. <laughs> oh, and then and then um uh uh, Laurel Vale. Uh, I know her. She's uh, she act- thinks you're the other Liam O'Donnell. <laughs> to no, to be fair, she <laughs> thought the other Liam O'Donnell was me, which is well, not okay. quite the same thing. Uh, uh, no offense to uh, director Liam O'Donnell, who seems like a great guy, but uh, but no, that was actually she actually made the mistake the other way, which I told her was preferable. I'd rather she think I did something awesome than someone think I'm someone I'm not. Well, that's that's her. I met her briefly. She seemed like a very nice person. She's she's amazing. But literally, that was everyone I knew in the room. Really, uh, there are a few people who you said I kind of knew over the internet a teeny bit, but for the most part, it was a friendless event for me. That's, which that's is really interesting, especially because you've been involved in a version of this event previously. Fair. Uh, for whatever reason, a bunch of my Chicago friends who came to Bruce Campbell Horror Film Fest didn't come this year and i didn't get a chance to check in with them why it might have been the timing it might have been that uh the lineup wasn't what they were looking for i don't actually know but no i mean it 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 was kind of weird for me because uh when i do something with cinepunks in philly my worry is the other way that everyone i know is everyone there is someone i know and we haven't attracted any new people you know like that's an anxiety i have when we do a cinepunk sure so being at this thing and being like who are these hundred so people and why are they here? You know, it was, was kind of cool. It was cool, but it also was, um, it gave me a little bit of anxiety in that. Uh, that so I prefer when I'm looking out into a crowd to see a few more people I know that I kind of think, well, they have to like it. They're my friends. So right. they have to appreciate what I'm doing right now. All right, we'll talk about more of that in just a few moments. Uh, I do want to mention over at the AV club, uh, a talking cat, was overdubbed in a bathroom and other fun facts from Eric Roberts is the fucking man. This is an article uh, written by Katie Reif over at the AV Club about our recording, Liam. That's great. I appreciate that. I've uh, I've always wanted to be covered in a Onion-related uh, uh, periodical, and now I have been. Well, we, we were uh, featured on the um, uh, the Podmass 
uh, article uh, a few months back. Uh, but this is this is a specific article written about our podcast, kind of picking out some interesting facts from it. I met Katie Reif uh, briefly uh, on the day of the recording. I'm, I've always been a, b- a big fan of her writing. She also writes for DailyGrindhouse.com, uh, which is a website that I wrote for for years and years. Uh, so I had a connection there. But, I mean, she was incredibly nice. And, and what a kind uh, write-up that she did. Yep. I think uh, – I don't know. I, I found it very – flattering but not in a way where i felt like she was you know uh not telling the truth like i think it really represented the ridiculousness of the event yeah i will say liam i know we're going to talk about everything and this is going to be the longest roberts report ever but one of the things that i've seen in a lot of write-ups and people commenting on this podcast is that they have represented it this certainly isn't a criticism of them but uh, they've called it our dream coming true, that this is our dream, <laughs> our lifelong dream was to get Eric Roberts on this podcast. And that's a really weird thing to read in print, that, that, that this is our dream now kind of confirmed. Let's be clear about something. And I, mm-hmm. again, I'm not – everything <laughs> Everything people have written has been very nice, and I just want to affirm all of them, and I'm not going to criticize them. But I will say that um, – I don't think a lot of them necessarily listen to many episodes sure. of the podcast right. <laughs> and none of them actually talked to us. No one interviewed me to find out any information about this thing. Cause if they had, I'm very honest to be like, no, no, no. Since day one, we've said we were never going to talk to Eric Roberts. Yeah. Like, that was never. And maybe in saying that people think like, Oh, they're just being modest. <laughs> but I think like, I think we had to come around to this idea as a good idea that like part of us was kind of like, before Josh started talking to us about it seriously, at least for me, and I think a little bit for you, if we had said, should we try to get Eric Roberts to be like, why would we do that? And and, And part of that was a misapprehension that now we've seen, which is that, what if he wants to like sue the shit out of us? Like yeah, what if absolutely. he's like not stoked on this idea at all? And I think if we had examined some other podcasts that are focused on either people or on, I, I think there's enough other people doing something like this sure. that I think the idea that we would get in trouble was maybe a little naive. Um, but also I think the, one of the reasons we warmed up to it was as we've done the show, at least for me, I'll say, it has seemed more and more like he's a cool guy. Like when you yeah. asked me to come on the show and I was immersing myself in more of his work, I don't assume because someone does good work that they're going to be an sure. interesting person. Mm-hmm. It's more that we've seen him now on reality TV and we've seen him uh, do interviews or we read interviews or uh, we've read his Twitter feed and whatever, that he was seeming more and more like a laid back guy that uh, we got excited. And I think it also helped that when we – we didn't do the work. Uh, you know, Cinepocalypse made this thing. Absolutely. Yeah, and we'll, we'll happen. get into that, certainly. Uh, but when I would get reports from Josh about talking to them about it, to, to Eric and his and his representation about it, it was positive stuff. You know what I mean? Like, there are people who I respect much more who've been more difficult to work with. Sure. You know, people who I might have idolized. So the fact that he was already excited about it and was pretty easy to work with sort of got us more excited too but the idea that we've just been sitting around like gee golly i hope someday eric roberts will come on this podcast it's more like oh my god i can't believe he wants to come on this podcast (laughs) that's amazing this is gonna be a great conversation and it was great but but it it is funny like as if we it, it seems a weird thing to me too because we spend most of the time on other episodes 
dissecting his movies, which yeah. if if that had been the format, he would be the least appropriate guest to have. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I, I, I don't know. I think like it's a it'll be cool if we get to talk to him again. Like I, I would have another conversation with him. But the goal of the show is not to try to like have a bunch of episodes where we just keep asking Eric Roberts more ephemera about specific movies. Like yeah. that's not really what the show is about at all. Yeah, that's exactly right. Look, I created the show. I don't know if all listeners right now know that, but I created it because I thought it was would be funny, you know? And I don't mean that in a postmodern irony type way. I was just like, well, everyone knows who Eric Roberts is in my circle of nerds, right? And he has this incredible filmography and he works, he does a lot of like low budget work in movies that most people probably have never heard of. So why don't we use this as an excuse to have guests on the show, people I do like and writers and critics and things like that. And that will just be the background as an excuse to talk to them about these movies. I just thought conceptually it was funny. And when I told people about it, they were like, that's a really funny idea. So then I turned it into something that existed. But this, it was never with the this sole direction where we were kind of all heading towards eventually meeting Eric Roberts. That was not, a, 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 that wasn't for one thing. It wasn't even th- seen as a necessarily a possibility. I figured once we were a few episodes in, I was like, you know what? Eventually, we're probably going to talk to Eric Roberts because that didn't seem like some unattainable goal. The unattainable thing was us doing it in Chicago together, especially because Liam wasn't even a part of the show then, in front of a group of people. I mean, that is whole experience is what was crazy. It wasn't the talking to Eric Roberts part because I figured if we really put our heads together and, and put our minds to it, yeah, we probably could have made that happen. Yeah, I think that that's true. I think also, like, even when we first started having a conversation about doing a live, Eric Roberts is the fucking man. My first suggestion to Josh wasn't even that he get Eric Roberts. Sure. Because we were already talking about something else that was happening, which is like um, he was going to get he was talking about maybe getting Larry Cohen. And I was Mm. like, we should screen the ambulance and then have a conversation about the ambulance with somebody. Is that your favorite movie, Liam? The ambulance? That's one that you're a big fan of. <laughs> Why are you being such a punk? Right now? <laughs> Why you got to be a punk? My memory is that you were asking me what sort of uh, Eric Roberts films might be appropriate for a festival like that. And I said, you know, there's not really a lot of them, but one that might be is The Ambulance. And it would work out well because there's a Larry Cohen documentary that just screened at Fantasia. I thought I came up with that. With Ambulance, I can tell you 100%, and we actually have a log of this, so we can certainly go back if, if you want to uh, to correct me on it. But uh, but no, I'm pretty sure that one was my idea. Whatever. Point is, this is... <laughs> Liam! <laughs> Liam! Liam! What? Lord of the Bikini Babes! <laughs> Riverdance star Michael Flatley, 59, suns himself on board a yacht in Barbados. Hey, that's where Eric Roberts is, as he films his directorial debut alongside a bevy of scantily clad beauties, while co-star Eric Roberts, 61, can't resist sneaking a peek. This is an article from the Daily Mailium uh, about Michael Flatley has apparently self-funded some sort of action spy movie where he plays the hero and Eric Roberts is the villain in it. I'm just confused. Is there dancing or no? There's a, there's a series of photos that come along with this article. One of them uh, involves Eric Roberts bent over, apparently, uh, uh, apparently sort of, of looking at the, uh, uh, the, the cheeky bum of a young lass. Okay. 
I don't know if it's part of the filming or if it was not. It's it's a little confusing. Probably the Daily Mail itself did not know as well. But he uh, he's in Barbados filming a movie with Michael Flatley, the Lord of the Dance, Liam. I, I'm getting the feeling that you want me to be excited about this. The Lord of the Dance. Uh, I mean, I'm stoked on another Eric Roberts project. This This line stuck out to me. The 61-year-old actor who was playing the villain in the film was wearing a jazzy Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> Liam, when we interviewed Eric Roberts, we asked him about the Doctor Who TV movie from 1996. Now, Liam, have you ever seen that? I haven't, actually. I'm not really a big Doctor Who person. Right. And I have this anxiety about watching something like that that I need to like somehow be caught up already or something. You know what I mean? No, no. I, you know what? When we recorded our episode oh so long ago about the 1996 Doctor Who TV movie, I mentioned that my experience with Doctor Who was kind of strange because I feel exactly the same way as you do, Liam. Oddly enough, I had seen the TV movie when it first aired on Fox, but I had watched almost no episodes of Doctor Who since then in any context, including the newer series. So my only way of, of kind of dealing with that mentally is to go back to the very beginning and watch it chronologically but the problem with that as a lot of fans of doctor who know is that many of those episodes have been lost forever because the bbc wiped the original master tapes so if you're trying to watch doctor who from the beginning not only will it take a very very long time but you will eventually hit episodes which only exist in audio recordings which have been pieced together with photographs and sometimes animated because that's also something that's been done and so you'll have uh, a five-episode story arc where they'll have, like, the second episode and the fifth episode, and the rest of it you have to basically watch still images while audio play. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a thing I want to do. We asked Eric Roberts about his experience on the Doctor Who TV movie, but recently there was also an article with an interview with Stephen Moffat, the showrunner, the recently, uh, he's recently left the show showrunner of Doctor Who, and he was asked why he didn't bring Eric Roberts back to Doctor Who as the master, and he was, uh, he actually was very kind to Eric Roberts in his performance in that movie. He says he's actually a big fan of it, which is sort of controversial. A lot of people are not a fan of that movie, and a lot of them are very critical of Eric Roberts' performance. Um, but he said that that it wouldn't have kind of fit into the version of Doctor Who he was creating. But, but Liam, now that he's moved on, we have another showrunner coming in, it's possible that Eric Roberts will return to Doctor Who. As you might recall, Liam, he did seem very open to the idea. He seemed excited about it, actually. Yeah, in fact, he suggested that we maybe do a petition to get him back into Doctor Who. And if anyone wants to go ahead and do that, you just you just do it, send it over to me, and I'll tweet it out and possibly sign it. <laughs> and possibly sign it? Liam, this this next news item is distressing for me. Oh, okay. We asked uh, Eric Roberts about his faith-based filmography. Uh, and, <laughs> in fact, it led to one of the funniest comments of the entire interview where, where, where he said that, hey, <laughs> I don't turn down anything. But uh, it was a somewhat serious question about, you know, whether – some of these faith-based movies sometimes clash with his own ideology, and that kind of plays to this next news item, which is called Faith-Based Movie Has AR-15 Giveaway. This is about the film The Reliant, a pro-Second Amendment movie we mentioned recently on an episode starring Kevin Sorbo and the boss, Brian Bosworth. And the creator of the movie, uh, uh, also a physician, Dr. Um, Patrick Johnston, Dr. J. Patrick Johnston, he is giving away an AR-15 rifle as in a contest as a way to promote this movie. 
How do you win the rifle? Uh, it's actually, I think, a series of trivia questions uh, that I'm not going to go into. And I don't really feel like I should promote this contest anyway. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, the AR-15 was the rifle carried by the uh, the shooter in the recent Texas church shooting. Uh, and that is... he. I, I don't want to go into why he's decided that this is a good idea. But I can say that, you know, I, I look... I'm I'm not anti Second Amendment or anything along those lines. I certainly respect gun owners and their and people's rights to own a gun. But I will say that I find that this is in very bad taste. I'm not a I. We don't have to get too into this, but it seems like a bad idea to me. And it, it, and, like and it also feels like a cheap. If that's what you want to do, is give away a bunch of or one AR-15. That's fine, but it, tying it to the movie. Seems like also a publicity stunt that is in yeah. poor taste. So yeah. that that part bothers me more than the gun itself. Although I myself am not a big uh, gun fan, I, I would uh, I would align myself with your side of that uh, issue. I think Liam recently added to the ever expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is 2018's something directed by Stephen Portland. Uh, we have a poster for it, but no. Plot summary, but it does feature Eric Roberts as the excitingly named coroner. And it's actually, I have a list of some of the characters here. There's woman, man, cop, coroner, rookie, CSI. Sounds very interesting. The poster just has a couple with a, a dark shadow behind them. Uh, it's the movie Something, Liam, from the year 2018. Looking forward to it? Uh, yeah, I assume it's about a voyeur who looks through people's windows. So that seems sexy. I'm into it. Well, it seems like Eric Roberts should be playing the voyeur, don't you think? Well, you know, I don't get to make Will we watch it, Liam? Will we watch it? I mean, we kind of have to because of some dumb thing we did. We made a blood oath, and we've been instructed by Eric Roberts that we have to continue to live up to it. Liam, we're going to take our first break. When we return, we're going to break down the story of how we came to interview Eric Roberts. We're going to talk about our dinner with Eric Roberts and a very special extra guest and sort of our our, uh, follow-up feelings on the whole experience. Let's take our break, and when we return, all of that. And we're back on episode number 63 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Once again, an off-model episode, Liam, where we're breaking down how the Eric Roberts interview, the live interview at the Cinepocalypse Film Festival, came to be. Uh, and that's what... Okay. Are you done? Is that out of your system now? Yeah, we're just excited. Look, All right. just because you don't know how to express your excitement properly, Canadian, don't take that out on me. Is that a Canadian stereotype that we don't uh, we're not very good at showing excitement? I don't know. I just assume since you're you know mostly white people that that's how it goes. Well, I, I, someone has never been to a Montreal Canadian game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Liam, I want to start this segment uh, by kind of breaking down how we ended up talking to Eric Roberts, the actor 
uh, just a few weeks back in Chicago. Uh, it actually came about because of your previous relationship with Josh Goldblum, who uh, ran the Bruce Campbell Horror Film Festival. Yes. All right. Tell us. Tell us more about <laughs> <laughs> who is Josh and and uh, how do you know him and how does that relationship exist? Sure. Um, I've known Josh. Ooh, I think for a while. It's it, it would probably be hard you to think. Pin- you think for a while. <laughs> well, I, it's it's hard to pinpoint sometimes. Like, uh, and and some of our listeners might know this. Like, when you kind of know people from shows, like you know of them or you've interacted with them a little bit, but you don't show, like... When you say shows, Liam, what do you mean by that? Oh, like from hardcore shows and stuff. Hardcore punk shows. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You, Okay. So, All right, for, so for example, if, it, you know, not a lot of people know this about Josh, but he is friends with some of the guys from uh, Philly band All Else Failed. <gasps> and uh, historically, um, you know... Uh, this is something people are going to know what I'm talking about or not, but Hellfest was a big fest in New York that moved to New Jersey. And, uh, the last Hellfest was in 2004. And at that Hellfest, there was a big, uh, brouhaha around Philadelphia band, bad luck 13. And there's oh. a very, they, they never really got through their set because things went so crazy and it got shut down and they, they didn't go as crazy as people think they did, but, there was all these rumors about it, and then a video surfaced. And in the video, there's two shots. There's a shot from the crowd that's sort of a eagle eye view that shows a lot of what was going on mm-hmm. up until some dudes come up and literally overturn the bleachers that the guy's standing on who's filming. So then that kind of ends that segment of the video. But uh, if you watch the f- extended shot, uh, there's a few other angles, and one of those is from the stage. And Josh is the guy filming that he had just come from the shore with one of the guys from all failed and they filmed this segment of the bad luck 13 video so for anyone in our audience who knows about bad luck 13 that was like an infamous video it's like wow and hellfest ended up not working out the next year and one of the rumors which is not true was that it was because of this bad luck 13 performance they they killed hellfest oh my gosh and so Liam, I, Liam, Liam, like, Liam, on, I, just I'm sorry i gotta interrupt you just for a second I, we hosted Eric Roberts. Yeah, we hosted Eric Roberts podcast, which has a niche audience, let's say. But I will say that the sure. er- Eric Roberts fans, who are also fans of hardcore punk music and know what you're talking about, that that's also a very niche number. And when you put <laughs> those circles together, the crossover in the midst, I would say uh, we could count them on maybe a hand. <laughs> But thank you for all that information about what was this thirteen? I hate you so much. The point <laughs> is, is that uh, Josh has been around in that in this sort of scene for a while. We started working together in Philly uh, around specific events, like he put together a summer series called Awesome Fest, oh, okay. um, and. Uh, uh, he actually, for a while, worked for the Philadelphia Film Fest, and so he's been involved in the film scene in Philly for a long time. So uh, he's like an event organizer in music and film. More in film. I mean, as part of Awesome Fest, he got to do some music events, like um, they did a screening of uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, at which they had, uh, I forget the name of the band, the Scob English Beat, maybe? They used some English Beat songs in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. So because it's outdoor screenings, you, you can't do it till it's dark. Before it's dark, they had 
the English Beat play. And I think before the English Beat, they had uh, Macaulay Culkin's Pizza Band. What is that band? He, he has oh, right, the one where he does pizza-related covers of uh, Velvet Underground songs? Yeah, the Pizza Underground. So the Pizza Underground played first, which was pretty funny. So he, he does more film, but he's done some music stuff. But anyways, I, I knew him from going to shows and stuff, and then I began to work with him because he does programming and some really cool film-related events and all kinds of stuff. So anyways, uh, he the first year Bruce Campbell Horror Film Fest in Chicago mm-hmm. – I didn't go. It was yeah. I didn't even know it was happening. Really, he kind of mentioned something was going on, but I didn't know much about it. And then the next year, he hit me up and was like, "I really need some help with this thing. Would you be willing to come out and help out?" So I went to two years of Bruce Campbell Fest, and then um, this year there was a feeling from him that like you know the Bruce Campbell Hard Film Fest. It's one weekend. It was part of the Wizard World experience in a larger sense, and it was only horror. And I think he wanted oh, – oh, and it was in the suburbs too. It wasn't sure. in the city. So I, Cinepocalypse sort of came out of a few things. One, wanting to do more than just stick to strictly horror. Another, wanting to do something kind of independent of Wizard World Weekend. And three, wanting to do something in the city. And he started having discussions with the music box. And they sort of put this thing together with him. You know, like with that, their... That's the, that's the music box theater, the the location that Cinepocalypse took place in. Yeah, that they were... They're not just a venue that they really helped put this thing together and fund right. it. It was like their... He did all of the programming and stuff, but it was their program that they paid for. You know what I mean? So it's like it was more of a relationship, whereas the theater we were at before was just a chain theater that let us in their space. And they were very nice. Like it wasn't they weren't bad or anything, but this was a more working together relationship. Right. And now because of this new structure, um, and because of of kind of sort of the guest curators or curators, I should say, that he brought in you were no longer part of the organizing or part of the helping with the organizing of this year's Cinepocalypse event. Yeah, and I I also like, um, as much as I would love to be a programmer, I haven't really done much of that. Sure. Uh, And a lot of the work I was doing logistically, the the two years I was involved with Bruce Campbell Horror Film Fest, Music Box has, they have, I mean, you saw when we were there, they have a plethora of staff, both paid and volunteer. So, my, you know, when I was doing Bruce Campbell Fest, I might be driving Fred Decker to from the airport. I might be selling tickets, or I might be organizing some volunteers. Which, by the way, organizing volunteers when you're not in the city the event is is actually right. really hard. Sure. So, um, all that to say, uh, he didn't need that sort of help. I would love to get uh, enough experience programming that I could be part of the like a larger programming team. Sure. But you know. It's hard to justify paying me to do something I've never really done before. But he did come to you. Now, I think some we should clarify this. You did not go to him with the idea of, let's do a live episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. No, we were just talking about, and this was before it was clear that I wasn't going to be working for the fest. So, like, sure. we were talking about ideas, and um, I had I was actually working on some... Uh, retro screenings I thought would be cool and we're so we were just shooting ideas back and forth and he was like what about your podcast and I was like I don't know if we could do it live or I don't know if Doug could do it like I'll, I'll be honest I was straight up nay saying this idea because sure. I wasn't sure how it would work and he's like you know 
Cinepocalypse is not just horror. Like, we could have Eric Roberts come for any number of movies. What if we did a live thing with Eric Roberts? And, uh, you know, I, I was like, I don't know why Doug wouldn't want to do that, you know? And so we started that conversation. But it was really uh, his inclination. I, when he first said it, my first response was like, why would you? Yeah, I right? guess, A, why would he want to do it? And B, why would we want to do, why would we want that to be a thing for, not in the sense that we would never want to talk, like you said, to Eric Roberts, but as a live event at, at a film fest, it seemed a little crazy to me at first. But the more we talked about it, it seemed cool. Music Box was stoked on it. Eric Roberts was stoked on it. So it kind of, it started to get a momentum. And then funny enough, Eric Roberts confirmed at the same time that it was clear. And honestly, with my job, I didn't think I was going to be able to work for the fest anyway. So right. then he was like, hey, I don't think you're you're going to be able to come out and work for the fest. But guess what? Eric Roberts is, wants to come. <laughs> so what, we need to make this happen. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And it became a real thing. It, it's one of those weird things where it's an idea and it continues to be an idea and it's just floating out there. And then just one day that idea is a reality and we have to accept the fact this is happening now we need to work out the mechanics and the logistics of it actually happening which that was something that i had a lot of difficulty with uh just the the mental aspect i kind of and i've told a few people this at this point as the weeks led up to it happening i started to wish every day that we'd hear that eric roberts couldn't make it or that he had to do something else or like it just that it wasn't going to happen because i started to get really anxious about the logistical aspect of it um but uh, but when it became clear that that wasn't going to happen <laughs> then you know then you have to work out i have to take time off from work i have to work out how i'm going to get to chicago from peterborough ontario canada i have to you know work out where we're going to stay how long i'm going to stay there then we have to work out the details with uh the music box about how our event is going to go it it really was a ridiculous whirlwind i think we should get into that a little bit now Liam and I, as we've made clear before, had never met each other before. Um, we have never spoken to each other in person. Uh, we've, our entire relationship has been through social media and through this podcast. So that was a big a bit of a question mark, not a very big one, really. But it's a bit of a question mark when we went down there, especially because we were going to be staying together in Chicago at an Airbnb. Um, and I, I uh, ended up taking a train, an Amtrak train from Buffalo, New York, to Chicago, which is about a 10-hour ride. Um, and uh, my wife and I did that overnight on Friday, arriving in Chicago at 9.30 the next morning, or actually a little bit later than that because it was a late train. Liam picked us up at the station, and that was our first time meeting Liam. Yeah, you were so fucking huge. And I kind of like, <laughs> I kind of knew that. Like I had seen some pictures, but then actually seeing how tall you were was like a whole other experience. And, you know, the first thing that Jill said was like, oh, Liam's so small. <laughs> Several pictures. Uh, you know, we have a number of pictures of us with Eric Roberts. And uh, on a surprisingly large number of them, the comments are, is Eric Roberts really small? <laughs> and I, I just have to respond, no, that's just how I am. Uh, I screw up the perspective on a lot of photos, unfortunately. Yeah, you're you're a goddamn giant. You're uh -huh. descended from a race of giants. It's, yeah. it's really disturbing. Yeah, it's, well, sorry. I did try to uh, warn you about that. But you picked us up, 
And because of the lateness of us arriving, the first thing we ended up doing was going to the Airbnb, which was ended up being very nice. I think it was actually kind of perfect for our needs. We had sort of uh, two bedrooms that <laughs> that didn't have much privacy in between the two of them. Um, but uh, but that worked out really well. And we went from there. To be to- fair, the Airbnb was a little bit fascist. It, it did have a framed photo of Benito Mussolini on the wall. And uh, every room had at least one book that could possibly fuel fascist ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it is very fashionable in 2017. Um, and I will say that of all of it, even including the Hitler biographies that seem to be in every room, uh, the Mussolini framed photo was the thing that threw me the most. <laughs> like, that's just a really strange thing to have on a wall of an Airbnb. <laughs> like, they're trying to influence the people who are staying there. You know what? That Mussolini... He's got something. He's got some. He's got the it factor. I would it's, say it's weird. It's weird at an apartment with so much uh, salvaged wood hanging for no reason from the walls <laughs> that you could find something weirder. Like there was so <laughs> much unexplained, unnecessary, unfinished wood just around, not attached to the wall. Purpose, sometimes just attached to the wall. But like, not that it wasn't fashionable. Like, like I could see why people would want this horrible wood around but it doesn't make any sense there's no logical reason for it and yet less weird than the framed Mussolini picture which by the (laughs) way wasn't tucked away somewhere where you weren't supposed to notice it was in such a position where you could kiss it on your way out the door on the way out the door you would and oddly enough, we did not notice it until like very soon before we were supposed to leave entirely. It's like, is that a picture of Benito Mussolini? <laughs> I just hope it was ironic. I hope it was a joke we didn't understand. Uh, well, <laughs> ironic jokes are something that generally we do understand very well. Uh, from there, from us getting together and kind of uh, doing our first meeting, we went over to the music box where uh, I got some of my accreditation and we introduced uh, ourselves. Well, you had already been there for – how long had you been there at that point, Liam? Uh, well, I was in town from Thursday, but I didn't go to anything till Friday. Till Friday. And so uh, that was my first time meeting Josh. I met him briefly and I met uh, some of the representatives of the music box itself. And, um, and and that was kind of brief. And then we went for lunch. Then, because I had been traveling a lot over the uh, previous 24 hours, I went back to the Airbnb. Actually, you drove us back to the Airbnb with, with um, Jill and uh, my wife, Jill, and myself. And uh, I took a nap while you went to go see the Larry Cohen documentary. What's that called again, Liam? Uh, King Cohen. King Cohen. So this is where things get weird. <laughs> I love this, by the way. So you go to this screening. I'm sleeping, and I'm very happy to be sleeping. And it becomes obvious when I'm looking through photos on social media and through text messages, which I was not receiving because my phone did not have a plan, that they were presenting uh, Eric Roberts with a giant stuffed bear with an Eric Roberts is the fucking man shirt on it. Almost. You're almost right. Okay. Well, please, please clarify for me. So, um, man, I'm trying to think of how this started, but basically at the music box, there's the main theater and then there's a lounge next door. So with this fest going on, a lot of people attached to the fest or who are there for the fest are hanging out in this lounge. Yes. And, you know, the music box is in a sort of uh, city area where there's a lot of uh, stores around. So there's a lot of just walking around. And someone had mentioned this giant bear for sale in a store nearby. Right. Just this massive, crazy. It's huge. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And so. For a while, Josh had been riffing on 
things they could do, you know, they wanted Eric Roberts to present the Lifetime Achievement Award for badassery to Larry (laughs) Cohen. And so it's like, how are we going to do that? You know, well, I think at first it was just going to be Simon Barrett was going to do it, who was, by the way, the host, sort of the unofficial or official host of the fest. I did not meet him. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got got to meet him, which was cool. And he uh, so he was going to present the award. Then they were like, well, Eric Roberts is going to be here. And, you know, they're going to have this conversation about the ambulance later. So let's have Eric Roberts present the award. Sure. And then somehow it became we're going to get this goddamn bear but then josh looks at me and he's like didn't you bring eric roberts as the fucking man shirts and i'm like yeah he's like what's the biggest shirt that you have and i said well you know we've got all sizes but i i think i might have a 4x and everyone said yeah 4x is too big we're gonna get the bear you're gonna put an xl on it so he gets the bear we couldn't even get the xl over an ear the bear's head is so big an XL shirt will not even go over one tiny part of the bear's head. So he goes, go get me that goddamn 4X. So, uh, you know, related note, all of our, the shirts were printed at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Very great people. Mm-hmm. They, on a couple shirts, they had fucked up the shirts. But we were on a deadline. So they couldn't order more shirts. So they still gave us those shirts to sell or not sell if we wanted. But they're like, we printed you some extras to sort of make up for it because we felt bad. One of them is a 4X. And in my head, I thought, who the fuck wants a 4X shirt? Like, Right. It's very unlikely that someone's going to come and go, I'm just really hoping you have that 4X I need. We printed up to 3X, but I've, sure. just, I've never been in a situation where someone's like, 3X, I came here assuming you would have a 4. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, if you go to a t-shirt, like an online t-shirt store – Look, if it's like a really big one, you might have a 3X, but anything above that, man, that is a major crapshoot. So I had this 4X shirt. We've got the giant fucking bear. We're like, let's see if we can make this thing work. We went into a side room, and it, it actually took, even with the 4X, we had to physically squeeze the bear head to get it to go through the shirt without ripping the shirt. But once we got it over the head, it fit like a glove. Yeah, so it then, perfect. And so then the gimmick was going to be... Eric was going to bring up the bear, present Larry with the bear. Larry's like, I don't want this fucking bear. Oh, okay, here's the real world, a re- right. real award. So I don't know if there was a miscommunication or what. When the thing starts, there's no goddamn bear. So I'm thinking, oh, it's good that Doug's not here because the the bit isn't happening. Right. Larry Cohen apparently is a guy unwilling to give up on a bit. So even though they bring up the, you know, Simon Barrett does this whole thing of I'm not worthy to give Larry Cohen an award. So if Eric Roberts come out, no one at this point knows Eric Roberts is there. They've kind of snuck him into the side room. So sure. most people haven't seen him. He comes out. Crowd goes crazy for Eric Roberts. He has the actual award. They give Larry Cohen the award. The moment could have ended sans bear. Larry Cohen's like. Wasn't I supposed to get something else, like a gift or something? Like, <laughs> he will not let this shit go. And Eric Roberts goes, okay, bring out the bear. So Josh comes running out with the bear. The bear's on the stage. They show him the bear. Eric Roberts, now that the bear's out, he's going to ham it up. He's fucking pulling the shirt down so everyone can see the logo. It's like a whole <laughs> bit. People are fucking losing it. Like, this is the funniest thing they've ever seen in their lives. It's like a real thing. And I'm sitting there going, where 
the fuck is Doug? This is gold. <laughs> oh, this is so good. <laughs> and I was sleeping, Liam, very, very asleep, and and still, even to this day, very happy I was. I needed that sleep very much. But the idea for me was that Jill and myself were going to go to a screening at 9.30 of the movie Low Life by Ryan Prowse, which is a movie I'd seen a few months back and really, really loved, and I wanted you to see it as well. Um, and so we went, uh, we, t- we got an Uber and went over there about an hour before the movie started. However, we didn't realize that Chicago had a different time zone than the one I was used to, so we ended up an hour earlier than we thought we were there. Which meant, of course, that while we were uh, there, the, the King Cohen documentary was still screening. But all that shit that you were just talking about happened before the screening started. So I missed it entirely. Um, I'm just going to go through this really quickly. But we ended up in that kind of lounge area you mentioned. Um, and I was tweeting back and forth with Ryan Prowse, the director of Low Life. He came over and sat with Jill and myself and then brought his wife and their friends and some of the cast of it. And we hung out for a good 45 minutes just chatting. He's really one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life and really one an incredibly talented director. And I think that we all liked Low Life quite uh, – I love it, actually. <laughs> That's one of my favorite movies of the year. But it was a really nice response. It ended up getting the movie of the festival, and uh, there was a great Q&A with it as well. But that was for me because, again, I'm not used to going to things like this. Uh, the only film festival I've really been to is the Toronto International Film Festival, which is so huge that you never get any one-on-one time with any of the people involved with it. But here I was sitting with the director of one of my favorite movies of the year – and the cast and, you know, chatting and having a really good time, him giving me a free shirt. For, I mean, just it was it, it, to me, it was like, wow, it's not going to get any better than this. <laughs> and even knowing that I'd missed that thing, I was like, well, you know, this already has been a really interesting, unique experience. But Liam, I didn't know what was to come. I didn't know. We saw Low Life. We went back to the Airbnb after Jill forced you to get uh, to stop to get us an Italian beef and a Chicago dog. Uh, (laughs) we went back to the airbnb uh we were soon asleep we were to get up early the next day because you and i had to work on the questions uh and we decided we would go over to like a little restaurant near the theater work on the questions and then we go over for the prep and that's what happened we got up we went over to this restaurant i was so goddamn nervous like I kind of held it together the day before pretty well, but by that day, I was really not in a good mental place. Uh, okay, I, wait a minute. Let's clarify. Sure. You were not holding it together the day before. What are you talking I was sitting with Ryan, and like I was, I thought I was as cool as a uh, world-class cool cucumber. No, 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 no. From the moment I picked you up at the goddamn train station, I thought – Doug might not make it to the recording. Okay, look, I am. I, okay, let me make something very clear to our audience. I have an anxious nature. That would be, a, a, I think, a pretty honest thing to say. And uh, the whole prospect of going to Chicago, a place I've never been before, um, meeting a person, Liam, who I'd never met before, doing all of these things where I had the potential to humiliate myself again and again and again. Yeah, I was very nervous, but it was an extra layer of anxiety that Sunday morning. Sure, sure, sure. I think it was a little more palpable. But but I also felt it seemed to me in my perception of you that you were a little bit in shock, too. Yes, like, absolutely. So I think that was actually helpful. I think that level was a little bit like almost like a calm before the storm sort of thing, whereas sure. the day before it was a little more manic. Uh, f- fair. 
enough. So we're sitting at this restaurant, this very nice restaurant, uh, just a few doors down from the theater, having breakfast, you know, talking a little bit about the questions, but it becomes clear very quickly that we are not going to be working out more questions. So we talk a little bit about the structure of what the show is going to be like, and then we head over to the music box where... Uh, they're just kind of getting started. Uh, it's still very early. I think it was around 1030 when we got there. And for the next hour and a half, there's just this blur of activity in my mind, starting with us having to break down like how we were going to be laid out on the stage, how the lighting was going to be, how they were going to play the music video leading into our presentation, how we were going to record it, how they were going to play the sound drop for the Roberts Report, all that sort of stuff. That happens over the next hour. And then we're in the main lobby and you've set up, you're selling some shirts and things like that. And then they're like, Eric is about to arrive. And then Eric arrived. And this is the difference, by the way, between a small festival and a large festival. He just walks in through the fucking door by himself. <laughs> you know, he was signing some autographs on the street. He just walked in, started shaking. Well, he doesn't shake hands. He, he fist bumps. Um, and that's probably a good way to avoid getting the same goddamn flu I ended up with after I left Cinepocalypse. Um, and he was just greeting us and suddenly we were face to face with Eric Roberts. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I've, I've been to some other festivals of various sizes and I will say that part of that is Eric Roberts vibe because I, you know, we did for Bruce Campbell fest, we definitely had talent come in and it's, you know, some of that talent is just chill. They just walk in, they hang out, they talk to people who want to talk to them. And some of that talent needs like a special entrance or whatever. Right, and, of and, course. And I'm not even saying that um, – that maybe that comes across to some folks as elitist or something like that. And as someone who's kind of iconoclastic, I can understand why someone might feel that way. But this is what you got to understand. Even for a, a mid-level celebrity – you got to know your fans. And for Absolutely. some people, they're like, I know my fans and I know that if I just walk into a room, they're going to fucking mob me. It's going to look like The Walking Dead. Yeah. And I don't want to deal with that But right before I have to perform or I have to talk to people. You know what I mean? Like you just got to know what to expect of the of your own fans and you got to know what you need in order to do what you need to do. Sure. And I actually feel like Eric's vibe is actually – what he needs to feel comfortable to do what we were going to do is like right. he needed to come in and just relate to us on a personal level that actually relaxed him and made him better in a way. Because they had kept us apart from Eric specifically before that because they wanted, I guess, a bit of that nervous energy as we were going on the stage. They probably didn't realize the fact that I, ca- I carry a, a certain amount of nervous energy at all times. But Eric was, the, Eric was there. He was chatting with us. You know, he's talking about the logo of the show and how it makes him look fat. And then we do a few photos because they have the bear uh, set up in like this kind of photo op area. Uh, and that's, you know, that's when the, the, the photos of us with him with our hands on his shoulder and him with the bear with his own glasses on. And that's where all that happened at that point. Um, and from there, things got really... <laughs> I think, let me just say too, sure. I think the bear photo op was Eric's idea. I don't yes. know for sure, but I get the feeling that after the bear the night before, he's like, set it up in front of the step and repeat, and like, we'll do some pictures. Well, he, he was a big fan of that bear, no doubt about it. So then they move us off because, you know, people are starting to arrive, uh, and they move us into an area right off the side of the stage called the Vomitorium. Uh, and it's just Liam and myself, and we know the structure. The structure is. They're going to play the introductory video that I edited together. 
it leads into our theme song, and when that happens, they're going. We're going to head out. They're going to hand us two live mics. We're going to go up on stage and sit down, and we're going to start the show, do our little intro, and then introduce Eric Roberts into it. I have to say, Liam, you were very cool the entire time. That's that's the vibe that you send off, and I was feeding off of your confidence. But when we were in that room by ourselves, I think both of us were like, "What the fuck is happening right now?" It's a little nervous, right? I mean, I feel that way right before I do anything. Like, sure. Um, I give off a pretty chill vibe, even if I'm like uh, doing something familiar, like going to a church or something to preach. Like the vibe I give off when I'm working on my sermon or before I leave is like totally relaxed. But the moment before you get up, at least for me, there's anxiety there because it's like, okay, now I actually have to do this. And yeah. there's so many variables. But on the other hand, once I start doing something, unless it's going wrong, which has occasionally happened sure. in in some contexts, like I've done some Q&As at film things that did not go well, where I introed a film once outside and my sugar was all jacked up and I realized all my off-the-cuff comments were stupid and like <laughs> didn't make sense. But like, you know, unless that's happening, like you're tanking. In the moment, I'm totally with it. But just before, especially because it's like, here's Eric Roberts, here's all these people, and then here's all the stuff we can't control. What if the video doesn't actually work sure. even though we watched it? What if I can't set the thing up right? What if I trip on the way up to step? You know, just little things like that that are like weird or whatever. Even if I feel good about my being in front of people, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean all those other things aren't going to be a fuck up. So – just a couple more minutes before everything starts, they shuffle Eric into the room with us, and that's our real first, really our only opportunity to have our you know singular moment with Eric Roberts alone. And he has this giant frappuccino that they've gotten him, which has whipped cream <laughs> like overflowing the top of it. <laughs> the and he's ordering like, of this frappuccino. I just have to let you guys know this sure. gives you a vibe of Eric Roberts. He, uh, I would say, apologetically is asking for what he has called a sweet coffee drink. Yes. And he's like, it doesn't have to be Starbucks, but I, but I suspect he sort of suggests, you know, I suspect you can't get this anywhere else. So sure. it should probably come from Starbucks, but if you can get it somewhere else, it's fine. And then he's trying to describe it. And thank God for your wife, Jill, <laughs> because everyone is trying to suggest because of a certain view they have of Eric Roberts. Very subtle, very sophisticated things. When what our man wants is a giant fucking caramel frappuccino with as much goddamn cream as you can fit on this thing. This is what he wants, but everyone is trying to suggest these things, and he doesn't know. The The worst part about it is they're using the Starbucks terminology to him directly. Like, right. they're going to say the right thing, and he's going to go, yeah, you're right. I do want the half frap macchiato like all this shit and finally your wife is just like okay you want it sweet do you want it cold or hot you want it cold all right he wants a frappuccino with whipped cream and and literally when she said it he went that's it that's right now jill jill by the way she is unshakable in these situations right i mean she has she's not intimidated by eric roberts Uh, she doesn't give a shit about eric roberts and uh and in those situations i mean and honestly i'm gonna give her all the credit in the world she kept me together that those entire two days, right? Because she was very much a case of, you know, this, you now have to do this. This is what you have to do. And that's exactly what my panic brain needed. But yeah, so she was like, it's a Frappuccino you want. <laughs> and then they go get him this giant fucking Frappuccino. 
And then he walks in with it, and it's huge. It's like yeah. not a subtle. And I remember <laughs> thinking, is he going to come out with that Frappuccino? And he does. He brings it right out on stage and puts it on the table in front of us. So we're on the we're at the side of the stage, and we're kind of just making small talk with him. And he's like, he. I don't think he knows what to necessarily expect from the interview. He was kind of giving us advice. I think he was kind of just jokingly. He's like, ask ask me who the best kisser in Hollywood is. And then you, I think you recommend Liam. Maybe we should ask you who the worst kisser is. He's like, yeah, do that, but don't don't tell him that I told you to say that. I don't think he knew exactly what he was in for. But that was great. Then the video started playing. And then I have one of the most surreal moments of my life, which is he's peeking out from the curtain, watching the video, seeing like a clip from Stock by My Doctor and going, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> I never thought Eric Roberts would see the video that I had spent, you know, a significant amount of time, but probably not enough time putting together. Uh, and that just made me more anxious which was great because literally 30 seconds later, we were on stage introducing the podcast. I think um, in retrospect, uh, the video, I guess, could have covered a broader variety since he's been in like a million movies. Sure. But as a video, it just works so well. It was you, – you really killed it. Like everything cuts together well. It's really exciting. And I think it's – it is – for the most part, representative of things we've talked about. It maybe doesn't feature some of the worst things we've talked about. Sure. <laughs> uh, which was probably a good decision on your part. But um, uh, now that I've watched it a few times, because I keep showing it to people who, like, asked about it, you know? Like, sure. oh, there was a video. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, we already posted on the internet, you doofus. But <laughs> I still have been like, yeah, 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 let me show you this video really quick. So I've showed it to a few people. And it's, you know, I think they just... If you don't know, you're just like, oh, this is representative. And for me, the, now that I've watched it a few times, I think, I guess we could have added this or sure. it would have been cool to add that. But it just has a really good flow to it that I feel really good about, that I feel really uh, uh, proud of that you did that. You know, like that represented, uh, I think, well our conversation. And I think for him, there was enough – Things like Paul's case in there, sure. Runaway Train, mm -hmm. things that he's also proud of that made him feel good without it only being that. Like, I guess that was sort of the fine line we were trying to walk. Absolutely. On, on one hand, you have to respect his most prestigious stuff because he's also proud of those things. It's not like mm -hmm. it's not like with a band. When you have a band and you're like, yo, that second record is the best. Sometimes they're fucking bummed. They're like, yo, I've put yeah. out eight records since then. Man. Absolutely. Like, what the hell? But with Eric Roberts, it's like. On one hand, you do have to show respect to those giant performances he's so proud of. On the other hand, if we had only shown those things, he might have been a little like, so you guys don't watch any of my new movies? Yeah, yeah. So in, by including some of those new newer movies, it kind of shows like, yo, we know – obviously not all of because we're not – you know, we haven't watched everything. That would be fucking impossible at this point. <laughs> but But we've watched a lot of your stuff. We know a breadth of what you've been doing. And it's also a tonal thing for the audience, right? Which is that you can show Star 80, you can show Pope of Greenwich Village, you can show Paul's Case, you can show, you know, those highlights, and then you can clip in A Talking Cat or uh, something, a movie that almost nobody knows about, like The Alternate, which is, I put a few clips from that in there as well, because you're trying to show that, uh, that these are amusing clips, that they're fun, some people recognize some of them, some people won't. Just the idea that there is a lot of material out there that we're more familiar with than you are, 
And that's going to be half of the fun of the conversation we're about to have. It really was a balance, right? It was difficult because, like you said, I didn't want to mock him or have him feel like we were mocking him. And that was something I was really concerned of when putting it together. So we do that. The video plays. We go out and do the intro. Anyone who wants to know what happens after that can listen to the recording of the podcast. It's very lightly edited. Uh, In fact, the only real edits happened. We had some microphone malfunctions, which I thought ended up because of the amazing... um, uh, organizers over at the music box they this the switching of that happened so smoothly that there's just a little bit of editing but for the most part what you hear on that podcast is everything that happens start to finish i mean there was a brief moment where i went on this rant about mm-hmm. the armenian genocide that was yeah. just inappropriate but otherwise yes it's exactly as it's presented so You can hear my anxiety on that podcast very easily, but I will say that once we hit the Roberts Report and I start quoting Eric Roberts' tweets to him, I suddenly, you know, mentally I was like, I'm locked in. I know what's going to happen from here on in. And aside from, you know, Liam and I kind of communicating back and forth certain things, cutting out questions, I think it went incredibly smoothly. I'm very happy with how, like really happy with how it turned out. Uh, But it was very much all fueled at that point with just sort of this internal adrenaline uh because i'm not a public speaker it's not something i'm very comfortable with then it was over the crowd is very happy they seem to really enjoy it eric walks off the stage the first thing that happens i don't know if this happened to you uh liam and you might not have heard me say this yet the first thing that happens is so at the music box theater one of the unique things about this cinema is that they have an organist who plays in between movies and it's sort of I guess a trademark and it's really unique and really incredible and I wish I could have experienced it a bit more but as I was getting off the stage the organist calls me over and I'm like hi he's like you know I've seen a lot of these in my time here at the music box and he might say this to every single person he's like that's one of the best interviews I've seen here and I you know for me at that point it could have gone horribly I just didn't know right to me I was just going on instinct about everything that was happening. But that was the first affirmation that things went well. And I'll tell you, I carried that with me for like the next 24 hours. It was it was a really nice thing for him to say. I really appreciate that. I, I got feedback from the employees. I got feedback from Josh. I got a little bit of feedback from people I didn't know super well who were there. But uh, that's that sort of unsolicited not anonymous, you know he's the organ player, but anonymous sure. in the sense of he doesn't have a relationship with you is really cool. Uh, and and I, I think it would be a really big uplift. For me, it was more, you know, I, I've worked long enough with Josh to tell when he doesn't mean something. Sure. So when he was like, that was great and even better than I was hoping for, that felt real. You know, it felt like – he wasn't just like, oh, yeah, it was cool. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was definitely being real at that point. So that made me feel really good. Um, oh, so we got off the stage. And um, as I was saying, we kind of, uh, you know, we brought these T-shirts. And I don't know if anyone cares about these shirts or not. But, like, as I was coming off the stage, I thought, you know, the first thing I did after I made sure – the recording stuff was off and we had a recording and it existed on the thing. My next thing was like, I need to go out and sell some fucking t-shirts. So like, I thought that was so strange. I mean, I, I, I thought it was funny because you went right back there to start selling shirts. But as that was happening, there was like a lineup of people who were getting photos and, and autographs with Eric Roberts. Sure. But I, I also like, as I was making my way to sell shirts, someone was coming towards me to go, oh, wait, people are trying to buy shirts. So I still think it was a good (laughs) thing to do. But it was also just my natural 
anyone who's been on sure. tour with a band knows that like okay we're done someone's got to go man the table right now so that's just like what i did yeah that, that and, it was the sweet time to do it you, you made the exact right decision it just at the time i was like i was like where's liam oh he's out selling shirts yeah i mean if we had had like uh if we were uh, every podcast i'm on is a two-man operation or you know two individual operation and uh I feel like everything should actually be three. It should be sure. the two people who are actually on the show and then some other person who can do things like sell the shirts. And right. so uh, that would have been better because then I could have like uh, – like I, even as someone selling the shirts, I kind of feel like an asshole because like every once in a while someone would want to connect with me on like, sure. uh, hey, I just watched you do this thing and it's cool and let's be friendly thing. And I'm kind of like, yeah, that's cool. But this fucker wants to buy a shirt, so you got to move aside so I can sell him a shirt. Like, <laughs> that's just my, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, you being nice to me right now is really cool, but it's mm-hmm. not ten dollars. Yeah, you're a capitalist. I understand. I again, I'm not. This is why I don't. <laughs> this is why I don't like selling things because I feel that anxiety. Like, yo, I invested money in these shirts. Sure, of course. So I need y'all to like buy these fucking shirts so that so while you're doing that i'm like basking, talking to you're basking in the praise of all these people and i'm out front being like all right man i don't have any change but we're gonna work it out yeah yeah look i mean i'm i didn't mean for that to happen but like i'm talking to writers from daily grindhouse and the av club and talking to just random people who are coming up and talking to gary hill a friend of the show who, who had come down to to uh watch it and was very nice and now it's something we should talk about. There's a couple of quick things. One is that initially we thought that we were going to potentially be running the Q&A after the screening of Larry Cohen's The Ambulance. And I was ill-prepared for it. And you were even less prepared, Liam, because you've never seen The Ambulance. That's fair. <laughs> okay, I, I'm only bringing that up because The Ambulance was just about to start. We had to end our podcast at a very specific time because then they were going to do the screening of The Ambulance and immediately afterwards have a Q&A with Larry Cohen and Eric Roberts. We, both you and myself, were also scheduled to then potentially, not, you know, set in stone, go to lunch with Eric Roberts. You know, Josh, uh, yourself, myself, Eric Roberts. We didn't know exactly how that was going to play out, but that's what the next kind of step was from... You know, show ending, you selling shirts, then us having to go and do this. And the fact that it was so kind of loosely planned caused me a bit of anxiety. However, learning that we were not going to be doing the ambulance Q&A helped relieve a lot of that anxiety. Uh, to me, I had already been through enough at that point. Well, and I and I, I, I don't want it to seem like it was like, oh, well, we didn't follow through or anything. Like, sure. It was just a, a possibility that Absolutely. I wanted. And for me... The reason the possibility even mattered was because I was like, hey, I haven't actually seen this movie, so I would like to watch it if we're going to do that. But, they had a 35 millimeter print of it. I mean, that's a pretty rare experience as is. I mean, also, I wanted to watch it because that's cool. Like, that was yeah. the other thing is that that's a cool thing to do. But the reality was like, we didn't have to do that. So that's fine. You know what I mean? Like, I, I wasn't mad we didn't have to do the Q&A. That was totally okay. Okay, so we're going to go to a nearby restaurant. Uh, There was a car, but there wasn't enough room for both yourself, myself, and Jill, who 
Look, I understand that they probably didn't initially plan for me to bring my wife to it, and I hope it didn't end up being an issue at all. But I thought I was really wanted her to come, and I'm glad that she did. Um, so we ended up walking to the restaurant. Eric and Josh, uh, and I guess a driver, they went over to the restaurant and got there a little bit before us. We arrived, and Eric is just sitting at this table by himself because they're preparing another table for us in kind of like a back room area. So we chat with Eric for a few minutes, um, and he talks about, I guess, filming in Qatar or something like that. Tells us a little behind-the-scenes stories. And then we go into the other room, and that begins something that's equally surreal to the podcast that we just recorded. We were having lunch with Eric Roberts. We were having lunch with Eric Roberts and waiting for Larry Cohen to show up. Okay, so that is the surprise. (laughs) So we're sitting there, and Josh lets out the bomb that Larry Cohen, the director of God Told Me To and Cue the Winged Serpent and The Stuff and The Ambulance, of course, and all those great black exploitation movies, and honestly, one of my favorite filmmakers is going to be joining us at the table. You didn't know? I knew he was coming. Oh, I didn't know until we were sitting at that back table and Josh said, and then Larry's going to come join us. And I'm like, huh? (laughs) Oh, I didn't realize you didn't know. I knew the whole time. Well, so we're sitting there. Uh, Eric is sitting at the table. You're sitting next to him. Jill is sitting next to you. I'm sitting next to Josh on the other side of the table. It's really strange to have this relaxed conversation, but it's really great. And I have to say, Liam, you are great in these kind of situations. Like, I I was trying to be fairly quiet, uh, not intentionally, but just because I'm like, this, I need to remember every single thing about what's happening right now. But you and Eric are playing around, and he spit on you at one point, which I thought was very hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's just banter going back and forth. It's very relaxed and very nice. The fucking staff of this place are bending over backwards. They're checking on us every three minutes to see if we have enough coffee and water and everything. Uh and, and, you know, Eric is playing, and this is not a criticism, he's playing up being Eric Roberts, right? He is he loves being that that guy and and loves telling these stories. He's incredibly gregarious in these situations. It's, a, it's an interesting balance because the feeling I get from him is that he doesn't actually expect the world necessarily to know who he is. Right. But he expects that if you do know who he is, it's super awesome for you. Yes. And, and that is super awesome for him. And I got to tell you, for the most part, anyone who knows who he is, recognizes him, and then wants to engage him, mm-hmm. they are all fucking stoked. No one yes. comes up like, oh, look at this. Like, I-, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but if you ever see any reality TV show that Henry Rollins is on, uh huh, there's a certain caliber of person who knows exactly who Henry Rollins is. And does not give a fuck. And they decide they're going to fuck with Henry Rollins. And I guarantee this has never happened to Eric Roberts. That people either just don't know who he is, which he's fine with. He doesn't need you to know. He doesn't. He's not sitting there being like, I'm goddamn Eric Roberts and you better know who I am. Like, I didn't get that vibe off him at all. But the people who recognize him and are like, I got to go talk to Eric Roberts. This is super big for them. They come up like so stoked. And he is so stoked to be that person for them. And again, you know, I don't know what people's view of celebrity is. Maybe for you, if you're listening to this, that sounds gross to you. But for me, it was so endearing because it really – 
what it does in my mind is it honors the experience of the person. Like right. one of the one of the worst aspects to me of uh sort of like punk affiliated things in music is the guy in a band and his band is popular, but he wants to act like they're not popular. So he's not going to sign your fucking thing. And he doesn't want to like interact with you. And like, he's all in his head that he's like anxious. And it's like, yo man, like I get it. Like you, you just wanted to create art. You didn't want to become a celebrity, but your band is now big enough that you are a goddamn celebrity. So either quit or be nice to this 15 year old. Like those are your goddamn options. You know what I mean? Like that's what you got to do. And Eric Roberts, he's not, on a high where he's like i'm the king of the world but he is like if you know who i am meeting me is cool so i'm yeah. going to continue that i'm not going to be weird about it i'm going to continue to be cool about it he has some boundaries like if someone wanted something he wasn't into like for example <laughs> a handshake and not a fist <laughs> he's like not into it and he does things on his own terms if you want a selfie with eric roberts don't expect him to look sexy don't expect mm-hmm. him to like do whatever it is you want him to do, and there's a fifty percent chance he's gonna put his hand in front of your face when the when it goes off. <laughs> Certainly, if your name is Liam O'Donnell, there's a hundred percent chance of that. He was doing that to every other selfie. <laughs> he was putting his hand in someone's face, and then if you get a real picture with him, he has instructions. Okay, now take one with the flash off. Now take yes. one with the flash on. Make sure the camera is at a certain height. This all sounds yep. very controlling, but then you look at the pictures. My man just knows what he looks. He Absolutely. he's done this so much that he can tell you take the picture this way. And then you look at the picture and you're like, "You're right, Eric Roberts. You look really good." You know what? What I got out of it was he is very comfortable with being Eric Roberts. Right. You know, no one is more Eric Roberts than he is, and he's totally aware of it. One odd thing he was doing in that restaurant is as we were walking to our table. <laughs> this is so strange. He was tapping the shoulders of people as we were passing by. He was tapping like the opposite shoulder. So they would turn around and see that nobody was there and then immediately turn the other way. And when they turned the other way, it was Eric Roberts, which at least 75 to 99% of them didn't know who that was. But he just, he obviously gets a kick out of those sort of interactions. Yeah. But, but you know, it's just one of those things where most people couldn't get away with it. Eric Roberts can get away with it. So we're sitting at this this lunch. It's very nice. Where where it's very comfortable. Then Larry Cohen shows up, and Larry is. I'm not going to say he's like a super nice guy or anything like that. Or I'm not saying that he's not. It's just that you can't get it. He's very difficult to read. I mean, he's an older gentleman. He's obviously seen everything there is to see in the entire fucking universe. I will say that my wife, who was sitting at the table, she was very unimpressed with Larry Cohen. <laughs> She doesn't know who he is. She's never seen one of his movies. She's like, what's the big deal? I'm like, this guy directed Cue the Winged Servant. She's like, that sounds fucking terrible. (laughs) But here he is. He sits at the head of the table. He orders a burger. (laughs) He proceeds to spend the next 40 minutes or so not eating his burger, but taking the top bun off and eating it like a piece of toast. It was the strangest thing I've ever seen. It, the eating habits of celebrities and uh, people of a certain renown, are they, they are beyond me. Normally, I just eat a meal like you eat it and then you finish. But the way that like Eric Roberts was picking stuff off of the various desserts I think, that we I had. I think you're missing the most important thing here. Okay, that, please tell me. Which is that, you know, I don't know what to say to Larry Cohen. 
Yeah. You don't know what to say to Larry Cohen. Sure. So I just do the fan thing and I just say, you know, I just got to say like the stuff. It's haunted me since I was a child. It just has. It's, 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 you know, you see it a little bit older and it's a little bit funnier, but you know, I was like the scene in the radio station where our man's face opens up and the stuff comes out. It like really got into my brain and like scared the crap out of me. And his response is not like that's the best thing ever or that's the worst thing ever. Like that. He doesn't want me to say that. It's like a knowing like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's what should have happened. And so I'm like, okay, cool. That's cool. Whatever. And then my, so what, you know, Larry, as we said, he came a little bit later. So our food came out before his food Mm -hmm. and I have ordered the biscuits and gravy. And Larry Cohen's like, okay, whatever it is you're about to eat is fucking awful. So I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to dunk on you for like a good two minutes, even though I've announced I'm going to go to the bathroom. But before I leave for the bathroom, I just need to make sure everyone at the table knows that I'm fucking disgusted by what it is you're planning to eat. (laughs) Then I'm going to leave. I'm going to go to the bathroom, take a normal amount of time. I don't know what he was doing there. Then when I come back, I'm going to fucking do a bit. I'm going to. He does a bit. He stands next to the pole and he like looks around (laughs) the pole like he's afraid of my breakfast. And what's so crazy is of all the crazy things that happened while we were there or just they're not all crazy, but all the funny things that had gone out of my mind. And for the next episode of Hard Business, we talked about Larry Cohen movies because they did this thing. And like I completely forgot that this happened. And I told Justin, he was like. How did you not tell me this first? Was this the first story? And I'm like, I don't know, man. I just forgot. Like, oh, yeah, Larry Cohen did a whole bit about how gross my breakfast was and how he was disgusted I was eating it. I didn't even realize that that's what he was doing. I thought he was just being kind of playful as he came back in a kind of a strange way, but but funny all the same. But the weird, like, as a follow up to that, so. They end up giving us – this is another, I guess, uh, benefit of being a celebrity. They ended up giving us, like, all the appetizers and desserts for free. And they gave us a shitload of amazing desserts. But every single time Eric Roberts took a mouthful of dessert, Larry Cohen looked at him like he was eating literal dog shit. Like, he was looking at him like, what is like, – like, and this is a man that started, who's like – That started when – because, you know, Eric Roberts eats his meal. He eats most of it. We've all yeah. eaten. I think at that point, most of us are feeling kind of full. And then Eric Roberts, she comes back like dessert. And it's in a way that's like, uh, I get it, guys. It's brunch. You've yeah. all eaten a good amount of food. No one wants You're not going to be getting dessert. No one wants any dessert. Eric Roberts wants some fucking dessert. And he can't <laughs> decide what he wants. So we're just going to get all the goddamn desserts. So they bring <laughs> us every dessert in the place, including one of the breakfast items that should be a dessert item. But it's yes. on the breakfast menu, which is this fucking uh, French toast donut thing Donut, yeah. That's just out of control that it even exists in the world, and it's like a crime against humanity. So they bring every single dessert out, and Eric Roberts is like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. He's going to have a little bit of every one of these desserts. Everyone <laughs> yep. else should have some. When he orders the desserts, the look on Larry Cohen's face is like, <laughs> what are you even doing right now? We were about to be done with lunch, and then you've <laughs> extended lunch and ordered a bunch of stuff that I don't want. What is going on? Like, and the look on his face is like, this is already a crime. Then when Eric Roberts is trying every <laughs> single dessert, Larry Cohen is looking at these desserts like, 
what human would eat this? <laughs> why is anyone eating this right now? And I'm thinking he can't even head, get through his burger. His burger is still in front of him at that point, <laughs> and he's only finished the top bun of it. I'm like, I'm like looking at his face, thinking. This is going to be the next movie. It's like the lunch. And it's like this lunch that never ends or something. And and Eric has a story for everything that's going on, right? Like he's he t- he's talking about his drug history, and I think uh, Bill Withers' "Ain't No Sunshine" comes on the radio, and he's like, "I remember seeing this back in like 1973 at a Martin Luther King rally thing," and and it's just like. He's incredibly outgoing and and he's very interesting, but he's also like a total goofball. <laughs> well, and it's and it's funny because you can tell that him and Larry have this relationship. Yes, but exactly. Opposite humans in so many ways, mm-hmm. like just totally different. And it was fun watching them interact that way. I will say that uh, at one point, actually, right before we sat down, I think I had asked Jill if at one point she would take a photo of us. Um, and when it came to that time, you know, it would it be okay to take a photo, which again, I, like, I didn't want autographs. I didn't want any of that sort of shit. I just wanted to have one photo of this bizarre meeting that was taking place at that exact moment. The waitress came over and she was really nice and she took the photo for us, which is why we have a photo of us <laughs> all sitting around that table where Eric Roberts has his hand in your fucking face. We have some versions of that without the hand as well, but, uh, but that I'm really glad that we have that just for when we're telling stories about this meal in years to come, that there's photographic proof of it. it. It's insane, actually. Like, the more I think about it, that aspect of it, it just seems crazy. And then to go from that back to the theater and watch them do this Q&A about the ambulance. Yes. I'm just like, where? what is even going on in my life right now? Like, how is this a thing? I, I will know. say that my my favorite part of everything start to finish, was us, my wife, yourself, and myself walking back to the theater after that lunch because we were all relaxed. You know, all the hard work that we had to do was done. Even the the whatever stress was involved with that lunch, that was done. You know, we could leave at that point entirely and everything would be fine. It was just us heading back completely in this weird headspace of what did we just experience and, you know, but still kind of on a high of everything that was happening. And it was so nice and so central to that whole experience. It was just was, you know, it's something that's the kind of that's that's the, the, the specific moment that I think I will carry with me about that entire weekend. Uh, and then we got back and I sat in and watched like the end of the, the Q&A. And of course, Larry Cohen comes to life when he's telling stories in front of a fucking crowd. Suddenly, he's got stories out the goddamn yin yang. But uh, but the, it seemed like actually a really entertaining Q and A. He was he was uh, lively, and Eric was lively. It just seemed like a lot of fun. It was cool. I I don't blame him. <laughs> I don't blame no. But I'm just saying. I just want to be clear. I don't blame him for not wanting to talk to us at the lunch. I mean, sure, he's there. With the dudes who have the Eric Roberts podcast, and Eric Roberts is there, so I'm he doesn't sure even. I mean, he doesn't even know that he doesn't know who the fuck we are. I, I mean, even explaining it to him would have been a waste of time. Yeah, so I, I, I think he had some idea of who we are, but not in a way where it mattered, you know. <laughs> and if, if explained to him, I can just see the more irritated look on his face, just like what. Huh? What? <laughs> so I'm glad that we didn't have any more than than what those are just some guys we're sitting at a table with. All right, let's eat some lunch. Uh but no, the, so the Q&A happened. Uh we sat in and 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 watched the end of that. Uh we we spoke with Gary Hill for a little bit, but by that point, 
for me, my time in Chicago was rapidly coming to an end. Uh, and I don't think, Liam, because you ended up having a shitload of desserts when you are diabetic, that you probably were not feeling that great at that point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, we don't need to bore the audience with that. Well, I don't want to go into detail. I just wanted to make it, you know, you just, I think it was a exhausting day, which was so funny because I think at that point it was like, what, two o'clock in the afternoon? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, what, and, and for me too, like after I dropped y'all off, it was like, oh, I'm heading back to the fest to try to watch some more movies because I hadn't really watched that many movies. And, like, I saw one movie, Liam. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, but this was like, And it was a movie I'd seen before. <laughs> Part of my whole thing was like I'm coming out to this thing so I can watch some stuff. Although sure. I also had planned to write some of them up for Cinepunks and I haven't written a goddamn thing. But sure. the the you know that was part of the reason I'm there. And I get back and I'm like feeling terrible. I finally checked my sugar, and yes, I do think a little bit Eric Roberts dessert cavalcade fucked shit up. <laughs> but I also eventually changed up my stuff because I had brought some extra uh, stuff for my insulin pump, and I think also my sight was not good which kind of bums me out because then i'm worried like was my sugar bad when we were doing the show like could i oh right more on point than i was but i think i remember i think i did check it right before we went on and i was fine but yeah, something and- at some point during the day the site had gotten fucked up because when i changed it later i felt much better and i sure. managed to get it down enough that like i could go to a movie and and i managed to see a movie and that was great but it was just kind of crazy to be like i'm at this thing I've got this health issue I need to deal with, but I'm not trying to leave right now because this is like why I came other than the show. Like I want to see some stuff. I want to be a part of sure. this event. And it was becoming clear that like because of mix up with plans with, with uh, Suze, with my wife, she I needed to like not be there the rest of the week. Like I needed to go right. up with her and stuff, which is like not what I had planned to do. I had planned to be there at least another day and that wasn't going to work out. So – you know, I got to see a couple things. It was cool. Uh, but I think, like, I got to feel a little bit of, you know, every, I, and I, you haven't been to some of these smaller fests, but I've been to some of these smaller sure. fests where I talk to someone and they're literally like, I'm coming in to do this thing and then I have other things I have to do. And as someone who more often gets to hang out, I always look at those folks and I'm like, that's crazy. I would just want to yeah. hang out the whole time. And sure. now that I've been one of those people, it's like, yeah, I would like to hang out the whole time, man, but I got shit going on. So. Have a good fest without me, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I see exactly what you're saying. I will say that that after experiencing what we experienced, I want to go back next year and experience it as a visitor or, or someone covering it for a website or something like that. Um, I just want to be part of it because it really was a such a positive experience for me. But really, everything for me revolved around us getting together, doing the podcast, and me then leaving. I do want to mention just one quick story because we're, we're running a little low on time here anyway. On my way to Chicago, I stopped in from Ontario. I stopped into my in-law's place for uh, about half a day um, to to meet up with Jill before we got on the train. And uh, my mother-in-law, had it, Jill had explained to her what we were doing to some extent. She didn't really, she doesn't really understand, I don't think, what a podcast is necessarily. She didn't really understand what we were going to. She was under the impression, because she had mixed up in her head a little uh, of the details, she was under the impression that I had won an Oscar and that what? I was being, yeah, I and they were bringing me down there because of this Oscar, I guess, to talk to Eric Roberts, who, by the way, she didn't, she doesn't think very highly of. <laughs> she she decided to make that clear to me in the next sentence when I said, "No, no, we're going down to do this thing." Then my sister in law said, "Do you think you might 
meet Eric Roberts when you're down there. So that then I had to explain again what the fuck we were doing, why I was taking like four days out of my work life to go down to Chicago to, for the possibility of meeting Eric Roberts. It's like I had to explain it again and again. And I will say, since it all happened, the thing that happens to me constantly, I'm like, yeah, no, I was in Chicago recently. Oh, yeah, what were you there for? I, there was this event, and I had to uh, interview Eric Roberts for a podcast. And they either ask, what is, uh, what kind of podcast would that possibly be? But the most popular question is, Who's Eric Roberts again? <laughs> Can you tell me who Eric Roberts is? So my moment of triumph, literally one of the defining moments of my life up to this point, not a dream come true, but a defining moment, uh, is understood by a very small percentage of the uh, world as a whole. But I will say that the people who understand it, they were very impressed. I appreciate that. I, I've definitely gotten, as you've seen from Twitter, Really positive responses from people. Sure. People who just can't believe it even happened. People who are like, now with all these tough questions about what's next. And I'm like, sure. I don't fucking know. I can't even believe this shit happened. What do you want from me? I, I mean, we pushed it hard, right? We pushed it as hard leading up to it as we could. We pushed it hard after it happened. We pushed every bit of media that came out of it. This is, this episode that you're listening to right now, is for all intents and purposes a bit of a victory lap as well as an explanation of what's happening. But I mean, I think... When you make a podcast about one specific person and do 62 episodes of it before this one, and then you get to meet that person in this kind of bizarre, completely unexpected circumstances, that you deserve to have a bit of victory from there. But I will say, Liam, that that question about what's next, it was built into the show, right? It was built into the interview with Eric Roberts. We asked him whether we could continue. That's the one thing we had planned with him ahead of time, that he would have to tell us that we'd have to continue the blood oath no matter what, that sort of thing. But two days ago, I I was talking to my wife in the kitchen. I was like, I think I want to end the podcast. I think maybe this should be it, that this should be the end of it. And she, she's like, are you out of your fucking mind? What the, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all. But it, I was left with that question. And a few people asked me it at the event. It's like, where could you go from here? And I'm not 100% sure. And I, we haven't really talked about it. This is Liam and I's first major conversation since... The event, it's been, you know, about two weeks now, and uh, and we are continuing, obviously, um, but I don't want us to feel like the show is meandering at this point, and that's something that I was a little concerned about. You know, when you hit a peak, is there anywhere to go but down? Huh. I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't um, feel as much concern about that, I guess. Right. My feeling is basically that... Um, as cool as it was, um, I don't know that it has to have an impact on the podcast because sure. when I really think about it, there's still so much we haven't talked about. Like yeah. if if it was – if this had happened after 200 episodes, then I'd be like, yo, man, it's time to wrap it up. Like we have fucking – dredge the pool and there's nothing left (laughs) for us to even talk about anymore uh but as i thought about it going into it i thought man my man's career is actually broad enough that we still have kind of we've gotten in it's not that we've scratched the surface but we haven't like gotten down to the rind necessarily and so like i don't know i kind of felt kind of the opposite of like I don't know. People seem like they actually are like paying more attention now. So maybe we do some more episodes and see how it goes. But 
I wish, I wish when people said what now, they were asking about the future of the show. Instead, yeah. the general attitude is that, um, and this isn't everyone, because some people no, I know. actually know about me, but a chunk of people are like, oh, this is kind of the coolest thing you've ever done, so um, are you going to continue to do cool things, or is this sort of it, and it's back to like your normal lame life now? And every time <laughs> I'm like, Man, really? Come on. I mean, it's cool. It's really cool. But, like, I'm hoping more cool things are coming in my life that I don't, like, 10 years from now be like, well, everything peaked with Eric Roberts. And after <laughs> it's really just a waste of time. I uh, I don't want to lock ourselves into anything. When, there was a plan as of the last maybe 40 episodes of the show. It might have been just in my own brain. The idea at that point when it started to become a reality that, yeah, we could probably connect up with Eric Roberts in some way to have an interview, that we would do 100 episodes of the show, the 100th episode would have Eric Roberts on it, and then maybe we'd end it right there. It just seemed very smooth, very perfect, right? But this has thrown things into array in a very positive way. But like you said, we had a lot of positive response. A lot of people who I never thought would be interested in being on the show saying, boy, I'd love to come on. Um, And people that we have planned now to have some really interesting people come on in the future. People who've worked with Eric Roberts, people, collaborators, you know, this opens up that a little bit more. But I don't know necessarily what the direction of the show is, and I don't want it to be directionless. So that's something that I have to kind of wrestle with a little bit. But I will say, Liam, that one of the things that this has done is has given me confidence uh, both in myself as a podcaster, but also as a collaborator with you. And whatever next project I end up doing after this one. I hope that you want to be part of it. And I hope that you'd be willing to be part of it maybe on a a deeper level that not to say that you're not a collaborator on this show because you absolutely are, but something that we can develop together. Sure. That sounds good. <laughs> what my, Jill just waving herself as if I just jerked you off on the I fucking podcast. Really <laughs> no, I, you know, I just, I feel like there's, this is a real. This has been a, a really weird, interesting ride, and it went to a place that none of none of us had expected. But I don't think that you started podcasting years back with the idea that you would eventually be the co-host of an Eric Roberts-related podcast. Well, I think for me, I you know when we first started doing it, I was under the false impression that you had a much larger fan base than I did. So <laughs> I literally was just like. Oh, this will be great because, uh, you know, it's like more people who would check out Cinepunks. But what's so crazy to me is how there seems to be so little bleed over. Like so many Cinepunks people have been like, oh, I listened to the episode with Eric Roberts. And I'm like, oh, that's really great. And I'm like, you know, whatever. And they're like, yeah, it was the first one I ever checked out. And I'm like, what what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> or so many people who I did end up meeting at this thing who knew about you, this show – we're like, oh, right, you do something else, right? And I'm like, what do you mean something else right? Like, <laughs> Jesus, how is there no connection between these two worlds? It drives me crazy. Yeah, I mean, I can see how that would be very frustrating. I'm sort of used to it simply because my other show, No Budget Nightmares, which which actually has a much larger audience than uh, Eric Roberts is the fucking man generally, um, the people who listen to that – very few of them listen to this podcast. It, they're just – look, there's a lot of podcasts out there. They're, not everyone in the world is explicitly interested in, say, the mixture of punk music and uh, genre entertainment or Eric Roberts as an actor and his work. But, you know, I feel like now that people are – now that this show is a little more established in what it is and people have more of a sense of what it is, that there is potential for growth in a really interesting way. 
Yeah, I think that's true. And I, and and honestly, I guess I'm also at the point where um, if I'm enjoying doing something, I kind of want to keep doing it. Sure, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, if anything, if I was thinking about it, uh, I would be less in- – inclined to to even worry about this podcast and more inclined to say like hey are there other things we could do as well but sure but i think also my response to anything going well is always to do more which maybe is not always the best response (laughs) uh i have a mental end date of what this podcast will be um and simply because there's only so many podcasts i can record and and organize without my wife killing me, um, and there's only a certain amount of time in a week to to devote to it. But um, I I want to do this in a way that I get to talk to all the people I want to talk to, to be able to spend time with you on a regular basis, and that at the end that I have something that I can be proud of, kind of start to finish. And at this point, that's what it is. So I'm going to continue to do that until it's not that anymore. Yeah, I appreciate that, Liam. We should take our final break. <laughs> Long, when we return, long episode, long episode. Long episode. Well, we'll see when it gets edited down. We're going to take our final break. When we return, uh, we'll do some plugging and we will say good night. And that was episode number 63 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And yeah, it was slightly self-indulgent. It went a little longer than I think either Liam or myself expected. Uh, But I think it's important for us to kind of get that out. It was actually, it feels like it sort of puts a capper on the whole experience. I don't know if you feel that way, Liam. Yeah, I think so. And it it helps tell the story in a broader way. Like, you know, the only way anyone else is going to know some of what happened is if they're friends with us and they ask directly. So this is a way for people who care about the show, but can't just hit us up on Facebook (laughs) to like find out what that experience was. And it was helpful for me because there were certain things that I kind of forgot about that I was reminded of in us talking about it. You know, I, uh, there isn't a lot of footage of us, actually recording the podcast there's a little bit of it jill took some short clips uh but there is a lot of photos of it i'm glad we have those kind of visual reminders even though it is obviously an audio medium but uh i again i think those aspects of it are things that we can uh, kind of retain in our memory fairly easily uh liam where can people find your work on the internet well uh obviously the primary place is uh cinepunks.com uh if folks want to follow me on twitter Though I don't necessarily endorse that as a plan, that's uh, at Liam Rules uh, R U L Z. Um, and if they on, are on Twitter and want to keep up with Cinepunks, that's just at Cinepunks with an X. Uh, don't look for me on Facebook. Don't follow me. On, <laughs> don't 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 follow me on Instagram. That's just a waste of everyone's time. You're not gonna like it. No one likes it. 
I follow Liam in both of those places, and yes, I can confirm that it's a waste of time. I'm just kidding, Liam. You post pictures of your lovely daughter and uh, and your life as a whole, and I find that very interesting. But I'm not sure if our entire audience would. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't – it's funny because I guess for a lot of people, Instagram is their most public place. Yeah. And I don't, I don't get that. For me, it's my least – no, I guess Facebook is my – is in some ways my least public. Though you actually get more of raw and censored me on Twitter because mm. on Facebook there's so many people that I know IRL that I'm worried of saying something and having to deal with like the actual consequences. I think that makes some sense. I want to give some quick shout-outs here before we finish up. Uh, I do want to thank the staff of DailyGrindhouse.com and the AV Club for giving us some very nice coverage. It was very much appreciated. And, of course, some of the staff members who came up to talk to us, uh, either individually or together, um, very kind. Everyone – and honestly, the response – and I understand that a lot of it might be blowing smoke up our asses, but uh, the response universally has been really positive. I was so happy – to to get to meet so many of those people. Uh, I do want to give a, another quick shout out to Ryan Prouse, the director of Low Life and everyone involved with that movie, which I really do love. And I know I push it really hard on social media, but it's a movie that I think is important and also a movie that I think uh, is very much of this year. And I hope everyone gets a chance to see that soon. It looks like it's picking up a little bit of steam. Uh, and mostly, Liam, uh, outside of my wife, uh, who I thank every single day, and probably I should give her a little extra thanks here too, because she really did help me hold it together. I want to give uh, the biggest thank you to you. Uh, Liam, not only did you cart me around and live with me while I was down there, you provided a counterbalance to my anxiety that uh, that made it so I could get through it in a way that I'm really proud of. And I can honestly say I couldn't have done it in an endless number of ways without you. So thank you for being a partner and a collaborator and a co-host. And thank you just for being the kind of person you are. I've always suspected from our interactions that you're a very genuine and very sincere and very real person. But getting to see that in person was humbling for me. Oh, I really appreciate that. And I mean, let's not play down the fact that uh, regardless of whether I added structure or I helped sort of make this thing happen, it's your show. And there wouldn't be a show without you having the idea and doing all the work. And like I tell people all the time when they ask me like, oh, you do podcasts? I'm like, well, I run two podcasts and then I'm just sort of like a talking head on one of them. Well, I think that that undermines how much you put into the show and how important you are to it. Uh, but yes, I do put the show together and then I edit it and put it out. In the That's what I'm saying. You do you do all this work, and I don't think that should get downplayed. I don't. You know what I mean? Like again, not to say that I don't do anything or that whatever that sure. I, I'm not a part of what's going on. But I think like you know, uh, it'd be really easy for people to forget. Like this is your thing. Like you make this happen, and it's it's. Uh, it's good because you're good at this. I'm also protective over it because it's so fucking ridiculous. Yeah, that's you, true. you can find me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. Uh, you can also, of course, find more episodes of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man at ericrobertsisthemand.com. You can also find that on Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M for all the latest Eric Roberts news. You can also search for us on Facebook. Just do a search for Eric Roberts is the Man. You can, of course, also follow Eric Roberts himself on Twitter at Eric Roberts, all one word. And that's it. Uh, our experience with Eric Roberts has come to an end for now. Who knows what tomorrow may bring, but we know that in just a couple of weeks, we'll be back again with two more Eric Roberts classics. Join us then. Good night. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. 
Eric Roberts is a fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can.